This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, sponsored by Soundring. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's sponsor is Loot Crate. If you've listened to the show for a while, you realize that Loot Crate is awesome. They believe in independent music, so that's why they continue to advertise. And for less than $20 a month, Loot Crate gives you, the geek, a special treat. Loot Crate is a subscription box service with over $40 worth of geek, gamer, and pop culture gear, collectibles, apparel, comics, delivered straight to you every month. This month, their theme, they're bringing you a fight for the ages. Suit up, choose your allies, and enter the arena for combat. So what does that mean? You know, exclusive items from Blizzard, Fallout 4, Capcom, sponsor-worthy loot from The Hunger Games, and a few more items that will help you emerge victorious. I know that sounds very hyperbolic, but I promise, they have rad stuff. You have until the 19th of this month at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. You will not get those items ever again. So go to lootcrate.com backslash words and enter the code words to save $3 on your new subscription today. Do it up. And you are listening to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. Welcome one, welcome all, where we talk to a person who is involved in creating independent culture, usually centered around music, but sometimes other art forms. And uh, we get to the bottom of why they do what they do. You'll get to learn some information that is directly applicable to your life. You know, I want this to be a tool. You take this and you go out in the real world and you go, hey, I learned this from this thing. And it is helpful. I, I was up on a soapbox. You guys didn't see me, but I was literally raising my hand in the air as I was doing that. But the guest this week is Andy Williams. He is the guitarist for a band called Every Time I Die, which is seminal, legendary, whatever you want to call them. They've been around for quite some time, and they're doing the damn thing. They are putting out records. They are are continually drawing more and more kids into their weird and wild world of metallic hardcore rock hybrid that they have going on. More on him in in a few minutes because I'll be honest, there's a little confrontation in this podcast. Nothing nothing that's too inflammatory because as you can probably imagine, I'm not exactly a uh, a button presser in regards to like getting in people's faces, but I did put Andy on the spot for something, and you'll you'll hear that in a minute. But I want to talk to you more about this Jabberjaw Media thing. So for those of you that popped into last week's episode, the Mark Bricky episode, which, by the way, incredible reaction to. Across the board, people enjoyed the fact that this was a, a, a split seven-inch, as it were. Two podcast hosts getting together, talking, talking things out, sharing different stories that you might not typically hear us share in our own shows. And you should listen to that podcast as well and keep continuing to listen to that show and uh, vice versa. If you, the 100 Words or Less listener, checks out Adventures in Design, that's incredible. That's exactly what we want this to do. Jabberjaw. We launched it last week and it's, it's incredibly exciting because a lot of people seem to be very curious about it. It's like, oh, wow, what is this thing? Like, this is this is interesting. This is cool. Um, and again, like I've like I mentioned in the previous week's episode, it's presented by Soundrink and Soundrink is an incredible ticketing company. They know how to deliver an amazing experience. And yeah, it's just 
thank you to Soundrink. That's all I got to say about them. But uh, Jabberjaw. So what I'm going to do over the course of the next couple of weeks is uh, focus on some of the shows that are part of this network because I truly do enjoy every single one of these shows that this particular podcast is aligned with. So uh, let's let's focus on one. So modern vinyl. And for those of you that listen to the show on a semi-regular basis, uh, know that I have appeared on their podcast previously where we were actually talking about uh, music soundtracks. Their show's awesome. It's a very, very fun romp through the world of vinyl where they talk about, uh, you know, each episode is is widely different. There are some that are interview-based. There are some that are sort of roundtable based around a, a particular record. Um, some are based around a theme. And... Um, it's it's a really fun experience because usually, like I said, it's centered around vinyl. They're talking about, uh, you know, I wouldn't say the news of the week, but they're talking about recent releases or upcoming releases. And uh, it's just a very uh, informal atmosphere that, that creates that, you know, that vibe that you are sitting in the room with uh, some people kind of chopping it up. So Modern Vinyl Podcast, please check them out. They are part of the Jabberjaw Media Network. And yeah, visit JabberjawMedia.com and you can find out so much more information about all the shows that are a part of this network. And I'm really excited that this thing is now living and breathing and you can benefit from it because that's all we're trying to do is just compile our resources and get all of these shows out into the world in a larger sense of the term. So there you go. Andy Williams, the guitarist for every time I die. I, I have a mixed history with the band. I love the band to be frank as far as music is concerned but like i said there was a little confrontation so you'll hear it towards the end of the episode i won't i won't bury the lead and spoil it every time i die is extremely important whether my own personal weirdness with the band over a couple years move that aside i recognize the importance of this band they are hard workers they are basically doing all of the same things that they have been doing time and time again pushing themselves to play to new people to play new tours to release records that challenge their own listeners. And it's just, it's heartening to see the hard work that actually pays off for a band of just like, you know, putting their nose to the grindstone and moving through all of the trends and fads that happen within the music scene. And every time I die, it's just like, yo, we're still here. We still draw a decent amount of people at our shows. We can play main stage at Warp Tour and people have a lot of fun. So Andy Williams, uh, as you'll, come to understand on my first question i ask him he is a gruff looking dude he's huge he has a desire to become a pro wrestler and uh but he's like the sweetest guy uh he all the time that i've spent with him has been nothing but pleasant and he uh yeah just just a very solid dude but if you are just judging on appearance alone you'll be like that guy is scary as shit I really appreciate Andy appearing on the show and I appreciate Andy, uh, you know, kind of let me put on this, put him on the spot. Um, but as you'll hear, it's, it's really, it's not that big of a deal, but I don't want to, uh, like I said, bury the lead and tell you about it here. So you will have to listen to this entire conversation. Ha ha ha. That's good radio talk for you or something like that. I think that's a strategy, you know, and after the break, come back for this crazy reveal. Here's my conversation with Andy and I will talk to you after the conversation is over. when uh because obviously both of our bands shared a record label for a a hot minute uh, yeah on good good fellow records and so he sent me i don't even know i'm sure you saw these at some point but he sent me like those limited edition 
uh, burial plot bidding war like the um it was like a folded over like kind of handmade thing with like a picture glued on the front um yeah so anyways he sent me that because i think that was like a pre-release thing you guys did and i just it was like oh my what is this like this is you know stuff that's obviously you know modern as far as the metallic hardcore thing is concerned the way that you guys presented yourself was that you were uh, obviously very uh, serious about your approach to to music um and obviously you know dark and overtones and whatever but it was <clears throat> there was a for lack of a better term a thread of intelligence that existed within uh, yeah. lyrically and just kind of the way you presented yourselves um i presume that was obviously intentional um, because of obviously what you, the work you put into it. Um, but, or, or was that just kind of like pure accident that you guys were all able to kind of, you know, put that first thing forward? We do. We, we were like, we tried to be as methodical about this, this thing as possible. It's like me and Jordan had been writing, me, Jordan and Rapway had been writing a bit, like writing music for almost a year and a half before anything was even released before there was even a demo. Like we really wanted to make sure that like, everything came across the way we wanted it to come across. We spent the time, which is something I guess like nowadays, like bands really don't do. It's just like, Hey, you know, Timmy's got like a, uh, you know, he's got like reasons. So like we can like program drums and like, you can just like track it. And like, we'll be a band in like two months. We're like back then it was like 97. We started like crack, like started like writing music. And, uh, and like Keith came on board and like, as soon as Keith came on board, like you just, you're dealing with like a, that dude's a genius. So it's like, he came in the band. It's like, Oh man, like we kind of thought, I think as a band, like we have to step up our game because this guy's like good, <laughs> like, <Right>. you know, <laughs> like, so I, I think it was just a conscious effort that, that everyone just stayed on the same level. Um, and it was like, I, I know that like for me, uh, even like guitar wise, like I was lacking, but Jordan's like a far better guitar player than I am. And, and I, maybe I'm a little more creative, in music wise but like it took me a while to like keep up with him so it like just took up like i don't know it was just really we were really methodical about what we do and i guess it kind of still is the same way yeah it's interesting because how how old were you when that that all started to kind of transpire well i'm older than ever so uh i think i'm like four years older than everyone so i was i was about 19 20 years old Cause I mean, that's still like, even though, yeah, that is older, obviously. And you kind of, you know, you have the, uh, <laughs> the, the teenage angst a little bit behind you, but cause usually around that age is difficult to be like, you have an intention obviously when you start a band, but it's usually just to rip off other bands beforehand. But like, and to be like you were saying, so methodical about the approach, I think that's, um, I don't know, that's, that's kind of for lack of a better term mature. Yeah. And well, another thing too, is like, even, I mean, like, what is it, almost 18 years later, 18 years later, we're still, like, we never have goals. Like, it never was like, oh, yeah, we just wanted to, like, write music. You know, I felt like the biggest thing we would do is, like, a weekend with Converge. Like, oh, yeah, we did, like, a weekend with Converge once. Oh, that was cool. You know what I mean? And then, like, that was, like, the only thing we really ever thought about. And then that happened. And then we were like, well, okay, cool. Maybe we'll play with Caven once. You know what I mean? And, like, <laughs> Yeah, totally. uh, you know, and then you go on tour and then like, you know, it's just a snowball effect of like little goals that like you, you don't really like achieve. It's not like we have like a whitey board that said like weekend with Converge. It was just like in our heads, like, oh, that would be cool. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, like, and plus, and plus it usually, it, it usually is followed by the statement that would be cool, but there's no fucking way. It's gonna exactly. Happen. That's exactly it. And like, 
a show, just one show was like a, was like a thing. It was like, yeah, we might play a show. Like we yeah. might, we might have a demo. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like we, yeah. for us, we were fortunate enough that like buried alive was like doing their thing in Buffalo at the time. Like, um, so the minute we were like ready and we said, Hey, let's play a show like Vogel and like buried alive. were like, okay, yeah, we're playing in Hamilton on this day. Like come up with a name. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and, and then we had to come up with a name. Yeah. Right. Of course. Which is the worst thing of all time. It's the worst. <laughs> um, but so, so backing up, were you born and raised in Buffalo or where did you come up? Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. Buffalo. Oh, York, you're yeah. tried and true, man. Yeah, all, uh, pretty much all of us except for Daniel, like then you know our drummer Daniel, like is yeah everybody's from Buffalo. That's rare, obviously. I, I often think about this, and not so much from like a nostalgic factor, but just the idea that you know you used to be able to kind of pinpoint where a band came from based on their sound, and like you knew that they all kind of lived in that area where it's like, oh yeah, this is the Louisville, Kentucky sound or whatever. Where it's like now, um, you know, you look at your average band on Warp Tour, and you're just like, I don't know where they're from. Like, you oh yeah. You wouldn't be able to tell geographically, like, and plus, once a band reaches a certain level, the, they fracture apart and they live across the country. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, Jordan lives in California now, but like, uh, yeah, all of it kind of started here. And it doesn't. I guess it doesn't generally sound like the Buffalo sound. You know what I no. mean? Like, uh, we don't sound like Buried Alive or or, right. or Despair or any of the Vogel bands. Right. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, and so where was your, what was your family structure like growing up? Like, um, you know, mother and father, brothers and sisters. Yeah. I got a, I got an older sister. She's rad. She's, uh, like six years older than me, and, but she's like totally normal. Like she doesn't know anything about anything. Like doesn't, I remember like one time I, uh, she went to school with like a, uh, like a skateboarder guy and a uh, skateboarder guy like got his head cracked open at like a punk rock show. And when, when I told, I remember like my mom was like, Oh yeah, we're going to take Andy. We're going to drop him off at the scrapyard downtown. And my sister was like, don't take him there. And then she like, brother, so like, you know, so-and-so got his head cracked open there. And, and like, my parents were like, uh, like my mom and dad, like, look at my sister. Like she's totally like white bread. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and then, you know, like it, it was, it was, it was, uh, uh, you know, my family is like, uh, they didn't grow up like racist or you know, anything like that. You know what I mean? Like most, you know, like people that grew up in the fifties, you might get that uncle. That's like, ah, you know what I mean? That that's like, yep. I didn't have that, you know, like, so like if, if, if we came home and said anything like about, you know, gay people or like black people, you know, like my mom would like yell at us and scream. So they're very like open-minded, even for like that time. Like my mom, like was kind of like a guy like she liked like dead can dance and and like you know bands like that. skinny puppy for real i think at one point in time she had a skinny puppy t-shirt i swear on my life right right and and my dad loved like the buzzcocks and 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 stuff like that so like them coming from like that area and my sister being like a cheerleader and like part of like the the uh like the senior class like she ASB was like president yeah, stuff. yeah yeah, yeah. Right. It was like insane. It was like, who are you? Like, where did you come from? Like, we didn't adopt a kid, but like, why are you so normal? And then like, I'm over there. I got like a mohawk and like, my mom used to think it was great. She's like, where do you want to go shopping? And I'd be like, oh, I'll just go to the Salvation Army, you know, because I came up and like, if, you know, Kurt Cobain was wearing that stuff or like Buzz from the Melvins is wearing like, I was like, oh, I got to look for that. You know what I mean? It's it's just really interesting to hear that because obviously, like you were saying, you were being raised in a very you know liberal environment, but yeah. then like it kind of you know it makes sense that your older sister would look at what your parents are and are just like, 
I, I want nothing of that. Because, of course, you rebel against your parents. She was a teenager. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was, right. like I said, she's six years older, so. But right. I just remember I was, like, 12 years old, and I wanted to see a band at the scrapyard. I want to see Sick of It All. And she was just like, oh, he's going to get his head cracked open. And she was, like, <laughs> being really defensive, which is really cute now, like, looking back at it. But, yeah. you know. But, yeah, but you're like, dude, you're you're harsh in my mellow. Yeah, I got yeah, exactly. to go to the show. Like, come on, you know. Like, And, and I remember at that show, like, a who's who of like Buffalo guys beat the hell out of a guy. Like I remember it was, I don't want to name names, but it was like, Oh, sure. who's who there was like Snapcase dudes, Texas is the reason guys. And like would have been slugfest guys like beating right. on a guy. And like, I walked in, I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, what is happening here? You know what I mean? And of sure. course, like you're 12 years old and like, Anytime stuff like that happened, it was like, oh, you know, that was kind of messed up. But like, I want more. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I got you know, absolutely. I had the bug. So <laughs> totally. You, yeah. you see this this world that obviously has never been afforded to you. And then it's just like, oh, shit, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy, <laughs> man. So obviously it sounds like you were you were raised in a pretty, uh, for lack of a better term, supportive household where people yeah, very. Your, your mom and dad were. And like you mentioned, I know in previous interviews where you kind of view your dad as sort of a gatekeeper where he was the one you know supplying you with black flag records and that sort of stuff yeah i mean that that was like the i mean still to this day it's it's funny obviously like he's older now and he still tries to turn me on to things and i'm like ah dad you know i got got a couple of those records you know blah blah blah. and he's just like okay well just check it you know and like every once in a while someone will come to town and he'll be like hey will you take me to the show yeah he like i took him he loves torch because he thinks they sound like sonic youth Sure. So I took him to uh, I took him to to see Torch play, and he stood like front center. And like oh. <laughs> after the show, he's like, you know, I've seen like the Who a couple times, and they're not that they were never that loud. <laughs> like, that's so amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. Well, it's cool. It's it, it's obviously that's a very um you know special bond that you can like go to shows with your father, and he'll understand the context in which. And then plus, obviously, the career you've made out of it, he understands it. I'm sure much more than you know other parents that you're surrounded by were just like, Oh, I don't know what that is. Yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely. A lot of, you know, you've probably heard it a million times. Like, eh, it sounds like racket right. where like my parents would like, listen and they'd be like, Oh, that was really cool. You know what I mean? Like they always have been really supportive. Like sometimes like the screaming kind of gets on their nerves, but like, I think that kind of gets on everybody's nerves after a little bit. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't, you can't be a 15 year old pumping that stuff in your head all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah having an effect on you yeah and so then you you uh just from the time that we spent together you've always struck me as a person where you um you obviously you're a very large guy you have an intimidating presence as far as your physical nature is concerned but then obviously most people that get to know you are just like oh yeah and he's a sweetheart and like you were talking about where you're crying at your friend's weddings like <laughs> um the juxtaposition of the way that people probably view you um was that always kind of the case were you always a big dude and people were kind of like oh leave andy alone like you know how, how did that all kind of transpire as you were growing up yeah kind of i mean it was it was always kind of uh funny i'm, I'm a i'm a bigger guy and i guess i have like a a meaner scowl sometimes. Uh, and sometimes it's just me concentrating. And like when I concentrate, I look pretty intense, but, and a lot of times people like I, I numerous bands will come up to me and they'll be like, you know, it'll be two weeks into the tour and they'll be like, um, Hey man, like they'll start talking to me and Hey, what's up? You know? And they're like, wow, you're a lot nicer than we thought. Like you, you, you don't come off that way. And I'm just like, Oh, like, did I do something? And they're like, well, not really. You're just like, and I'm like, oh, cool. I just carry myself in like that type thing. I'm like, I'm not an angry person at all. 
just sometimes I'm pretty intense when I'm concentrating or like, I don't know. It's really weird. Like people, once people get to know me, they, they, uh, they, like you said, they generally go, Oh my God, like this guy's the nicest guy ever, you know? Uh, and it's always been like that, man. I, I remember like, I don't know how this even happens, but like, I remember I, I really liked basketball when I was a kid and I tried out for the basketball team and I literally got cut because they said I wasn't aggressive. <laughs> it's like, wow. you know, I'm like six, you know, I was like six foot one or something. And yeah, they're just like, yeah, you're just not aggressive enough. I'm like, really? Like, I'm just trying to play. I'm just trying to play basketball, you know, <laughs> just right. Yeah. They, like they, they expected you to have more of a, you know, like cutthroat attitude about it. Cause they're like, Oh, he's tall and he's big. So yeah. therefore he must like rip people's heads off, <laughs> throw an elbow. You know what I mean? Like uh, that's it. But then I wrestled. So like I was on the wrestling team and, and I think I generally just realized that like, uh, maybe you were the same way too. I, I think that everyone that kind of is in our, our scene, you're kind of a loner, uh, and I realized that, like, I did like to be on teams. Like, I like to – like, if I played a sport, I always, like, ran track where I was just running by myself thinking about things instead of, like, trying to be, like, part of this, like, thing. You know what I mean? I always like to be, like, by myself. And I think I generally think better when I'm, like, by myself, which is kind of crazy because I've been in a band for 18 years, but – yeah. Um, but, still, but, but I mean, that, that experience in and of itself, like, I mean, most people obviously view the touring lifestyle as, you know, you're, you're constantly surrounded by people, which is true to a certain extent, but it's like, there are many times, especially once you get to a certain level of being at that same city, you know, 10 times throughout a year, yeah. where you're just like, I gotta, like, I gotta be away from everybody. I gotta like disconnect. Cause yeah. Otherwise, like you said, you, you need that time. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, that was, uh, and that was it. And I think it was like, I could stay focused more when I'm thinking by myself and not in that type of environment. So I guess I wasn't like really a loner, but it was just like, I don't know, like maybe I had like a, a preconceived notion of what I thought a group mentality was instead of being an asshole. I didn't want to just be a dick and start throwing elbows at people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But I think that's how it goes nowadays. Like I hate, I, even like I think of a tour like it's not like us versus them, which I think a lot of bands think like that. Like it's like, hey, it's our band versus these bands where mm -hmm. it's more like, hey, people pay to see this show. So like if I can help the first band be better, I'm going to help them. So if like the, a guitar goes down or a pickup gets broken or a pedal goes like I'm going to give them that so they can continue their show and do the best they can. Right. Because right. it makes the whole show better. Yeah, that's it, it's an interesting idea of what you're talking about the the idea of uh you know whatever being solitary being alone um because you do feel this sort of like dis you know uh, disconnection with the whatever the high school experience where you're just like there are elements of it where you're like that's cool but then obviously once you start to get introduced to the subculture that we've been involved in it, there's that element of like i i don't like like you people are cool but like you're not on my level. So I don't know how much time I can invest in you. You know, it's like that weird. You have to kind of like pick and choose in certain respects. Exactly. And, it, and it's, it's, it's sound when you say it like that though, it sounds like you're like, Hey, I'm better than you guys, No, but yeah. it's not like that. It's, it's just like, I've seen a part of the world that's different than this one. And I don't feel like this is, I don't feel like this is my click. Like I feel like that's my click and I have to spend time here. Right, right. Yeah, just by sh yeah, just by sheer time alone, you're like I'm not in this group, you know. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> what did your uh, what, so what did your parents do as uh, for jobs as you were growing up? Uh, my mom's been an accountant, I think, forever. 
Yeah, she worked for Nabisco for a little bit. She was like an accountant there. And oh. now, I don't even know what she does. She's an accountant somewhere else now. Uh, yeah, sure. And then my dad's um, my dad's kind of crazy. He's he's done like, uh, he worked at a metal, uh, machine shop for almost 30 years. And like, again, like when it comes to like him giving me like Black Flag records, he's always been like my benchmark for hard work because he started as a janitor at this place. And then by the time the place went out of business, he was like, uh, like the floor, like supervisor. Like he, there was like three people in, in, on top of him at this like business. Cause he was there for so long. And like, he literally did every job you could possibly think of in this, in this place. And then, you know, they sold the, the owner sold the place. They went out of business and then he still works in machine shops and stuff, but he's like, uh, I think he's like 66 now. So he's, he's getting up there, but he's still like in February, like he worked something like 50 days in a row. And he's just like, you know, he's like the hardest working person I know. Yeah. No, that's rad that you, you were able to see that. Uh, and especially too, it's, it's always cool to see, um, cause it sounds like he was a, a, a younger parent and to not be, um, cause you, you could, you could be crushed by the system very easily where it's like, you know, your dad could have turned up to be, you know, jaded and super bitter and like not care about all the stuff that he obviously cared about to pass along to you. So it's cool that he obviously retained that, I guess, independent thought and spirit, regardless of the fact if he was, you know, sweeping floors or not, it's like, Oh, it doesn't matter. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still into this stuff. Yeah. I'm not letting, I'm not letting all these other things get in the way. Yeah. I, I think it's just, uh, at that time too. I mean, it's a lot different obviously, but, um, he saw an opportunity, you know what I mean? And like that company gave him an opportunity and he was like, well, I'm going to make the best of it. And he like worked his way up. And then, uh, once that kind of like went belly up, he like traveled for a while, which is pretty rad, like working for what he did. He, he was, um, he was basically like a, a specialist in this one press that like Ford and Chevy and Dodge all used. And they would like ship him to like China to show people in China how to like, make this press and then like he would go to like germany and like he got to see the world which is pretty rad nice yeah 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 that's that's really cool yeah um so then as you started to kind of find your identity in high school and once you like you mentioned you were into wrestling um you know what kind of kid did you find yourself being were you always kind of you know the the sort of weirdo dude into music um or how did you uh, how did you view yourself I was always in the music, man. Uh, I don't know. I I really don't know how I viewed myself. I skateboarded, but I wouldn't really generally call myself a skateboarder. I don't know how to like if there was even a classification for what I was. Because right. I like what what archetype did you follow? Were you a jock? Were you a prep? Yeah, because like, yeah. <laughs> it was like I was super into music, and you know, I I played drums and uh, I had played guitar just a little bit, but at the same time, I was like really into professional wrestling, and I'm still into professional wrestling. So like. I always thought of like, oh man, I'm going to be big. So like I could be like, you know, Ric Flair or something like that. Right. And I'd have these like dreams. And like, I remember like, you know, like I would daydream about that stuff. But then at the same time, I like daydream about like being on a stage and like playing in a band, sure. and, you know, but like I would skateboard and stuff like that. And I almost like skateboarded. It's uh, almost like to clear my head. Like I would, I would get like, you know, at school, like, there's so that I would just get on my skateboard and like skate. And it wasn't like, I didn't, wasn't really worried about trying tricks and like stuff like that. It was just more or less like the motion of like cruising on a board. Yeah. And it that, like, but I, like I said, I wouldn't call myself a skateboarder. It was just yeah. kind of like whatever. And it, and it, and I remember like once I had like friends that were like into the same stuff I was into, it was like done. Like I was just like, Oh wow. Like 
I can't believe people think like this. You know what I mean? Right. You know, but it's like, oh, this guy likes Pantera, but he also likes the Sex Pistols. And he also likes suicidal tendencies. This guy's cool. You know what right. I mean? And uh, and I guess I was a punk. Yeah. I don't know. There was like really a categorization. Like I I loved wrestling like that like a lot. And like it was just like did, did you wrestle like did you wrestle for the high school team all four years? Yeah, yeah. Nice. So you did you did the competitions and you were what uh what weight class did you wrestle in? Uh I was I started at 167. I was a 167 guy and then I went 167, 177 and then 215. Oh wow. You yeah. you were definitely you were like you said, very concentrated on getting large. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't, I mean, I just, I'm a big guy. Like it, it, it wasn't even like that. I remember my, like, I had a hard time getting a 215. I think like the cutoff point was like 194. Mm-hmm. And I would have to eat like a big meal before I weighed in right. to get to 194. So like I probably wrestled around 188, 189 or 190, like around there. Mm-hmm. I was really little for a 215er, but, uh, and it was just like, I thought like for some reason, I probably, it's funny because like uh, since I started pro wrestling in uh, training in pro wrestling, all these dudes that wrestled when they were in high school had the same fucking idea that I had where it was like, yeah, I thought like Jim Ross was going to be there one day, like see me wrestling and go like, oh, we need this kid at WWF. So like, look at how big he is. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and it never had, well, he would never be at night, not North Tonawanda High School and go like, Oh wow, Andy Williams! Wow, I you know that bridge he just did was killer. Like I'd love right. to see great him technique. For, I'd love to see him versus Hogan. You know, like talent scouts across the country just picking up kids from obscurity. Yeah, of course, of course. And it was like my dream to do like a WWF move in a match, but of course, like it doesn't work that way. Like no. the human <laughs> body does not work. Like is not going to let you suplex a guy or something like that. But yeah, it was really I don't know my that my wrestling, I guess career like it was really funny. Like the whole yeah. time, it's just like, oh man, I wrestle. Uh, it's not WWE, but Jim Ross is going to be here one day. <laughs> right, but I'm close. Yeah, I'm close. I hopefully will get to that point. Yeah, um, but it's it's interesting too because you're talking about obviously the uh, you know the daydreaming you were having of because um, obviously being a wrestler is being an entertainer. Same thing as yeah. obviously being an entertainer on stage when you're playing guitar. Um, so it's interesting that 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 thread is kind of obviously weaved into both of those. And obviously you derive pleasure out of, um, you know, being able to entertain a certain respect. 100%, man. I, I, it's, it's funny. Like once you catch that tiny little bit of a bug, it's almost like you have to create, and it's not even about entertaining. It's just like creating, like at some point writing a song is a lot like working a match out where like you have to have ups and downs. And like, I'm starting to realize that now, obviously I'm, I'm starting professional, my professionally uh, wrestling career at 37 years old. So it's I'm realizing that uh, that working a match is a lot like writing a song or writing a set list or like you have to have these like ups and downs, you know, like uh, quiet parts and like you have to be calm at this part in time and like entertaining just in general. is like it's such a high. Yeah. Regardless of what you're doing, even with this podcast, I mean, you realize that like if you're not directly doing music or writing music when you're doing a podcast or, or doing an interview or something like that, like it's still a form of entertainment. The thing that I've noticed is obviously you are attempting to create a vibe, create a flow to make sure that the, the, res, the results you're trying to achieve are exactly what you're talking about. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Ultimately, it will be this sort of, you know, mini opera in a way. <laughs> What's the Pixies documentary? Uh, it's called, uh, 
I'm blanking. I can't remember the name of it, but people will know. <laughs> we have the. It's internet. called like Quiet and Loud or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like they explain like the title, and it's like that's like the best thing. Like if they had to, uh, if they had to like describe their band, I mean that's like the one band that has ups and downs. Like you listen to a Pixies record, and it's like there's quiet songs, and there's loud songs, there's fast songs, and then there's like parts that are quiet, and then they get loud, and like. I think they're well. Obviously, they're one of the most entertaining bands. But for all intent and purposes, was is was every time I die like your first band, or had you done you know uh, horrible versions of that before that? Uh, I wouldn't say horrible. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm I'm casting that shadow on you. Usually, I just assume that people, most people's first bands, they look back and kind of like, oh, that wasn't very good. But anyway. like Jordan, well, Jordan was in like this like pause and youth crew band called X Pride X. Oh, I did not know that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I was in this like kind of like political kind of thrashy band called um, uh, Sirhan, oh, named after Sirhan. Sirhan, 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 Sirhan yeah. sure, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. And uh, it was kind of like my first venture in guitars. And then like I was in like I I played drums, but I didn't play in any bands. But uh, yeah, like my I guess like my first attempt at a at a an actual band playing shows was that band. And Got it. It was just like, Hey, this is kind of cool. And like it, you know, whatever. It just was like, I don't even know how to describe it. Your typical, like crusty, crusty punk band. Yeah. Sure. Uh, if there were attendees at the show, they may or may not have had butt flaps on there. Yeah. Kind of, I guess. Well, Buffalo really never had that. That's true. That's definitely we more, like a, that's if, more of a West coast thing. That's for sure. Yeah. If we played Toronto, there probably would be uh, a <laughs> good point. You know, but but at that time it was like this is like ninety five, ninety six. So like, and we're like we're in like Earth Crisis area. Yep. So like, a lot of people were like had blonde hair and tight necklaces, and you know, just they were swimming in. I was about to say tight on the top, but that everyone didn't usually adhere to that. But yeah, you were swimming in fabric. I love I love the concept yeah. of just like I mean, looking back at the shirts that I own, where I'm just like, man, that'd be great if I like remotely bought the size but then i was like well there wasn't options like the smallest size was a large yeah when you're buying from bands it shows yeah. and it was like i mean you could buy like a you know youth medium which was for the girls but clearly no male yeah. is gonna fit into that it's so funny too because like I, I remember rocking i was like a, i was tall and skinny and like i remember like rocking like a, a 2x shirt and i was like swimming in it totally. and now i now i rock a 2x shirt and i'm like it's like normal. Right. You feel, yeah. You feel it. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks. Cause if I got no shirts, like, I, you know what I mean? Like it got to a point where like, okay, this isn't cool anymore. So I'm going to get rid of this stuff. And like, I've never been a guy to hang on to stuff. Like I've nothing, you know, I, I remember I had like one of the coolest shirts I ever had. I had like a slap shot back out of the map uh-huh. shirt, like long sleeve. And I ended up giving it to Brendan from reach a sky. Cause I was like, yo, you love this band. And like, you'll wear it more than I would. Sure, sure. And like in hindsight, like that shirt probably would be like a two hundred dollars shirt if I sold it on like eBay or something. <laughs> totally. Like yeah. But he still wears it. You know what I mean? That's perfect. Cool. That's that's how obviously yeah. the old shirt lineage should be, where they get donated to friends, and then hopefully those people will that that shirt will live on for years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Would um, and so then uh, obviously, so it sounded like you you were obviously graduated from from high school, and that's kind of when every time I die started. Were you going to college at the time? Oh, uh, yeah, I kind of dabbled in high or, or college a little bit, but it wasn't like, I don't know. Like, I went to college for the wrong reasons. Like, I went to college, like, 
I wanted to go for culinary. Like I really like cooking. So like I, I went for culinary and I was like running track at the time. Okay. Uh, in college. And it was like, it just, I like I, everything just kind of fell apart. I was going to wrestling school at the time too. So I was like trying to do like three different things, like trying to be a pro wrestler, trying to be a chef. And then I was on the track team because I was like an RA track guy. And like my sister's, my sister went to this school and like she ran track. She knew the coach and was like, Hey, go there and run track. Like, all right. So I kind of like listened to my older sister and I don't know. It just like learning never was for me. Like it was just not for me. I went for a year and then I was like, this is, this is stupid. And then I, the whole time I was like trying to tour with bands. Like I toured with Buried Alive a lot. Were you doing merch for them? Once I, yeah. Like once I went on tour, that was it. Like it was just that the bug was like in me and it just wasn't, nothing was going to stop, you know? And still I, I hate being home like now. <laughs> I hate it. So like, yeah. It's funny because obviously the notion is that um, not even so much that like once you've been in a band a certain time, like you start to hate tour, but you feel, um, you know, the the somewhat monotony where it's like I joked earlier where you're in the same town 10 times throughout a year. But you still you yeah. obviously still just love the experience. Everything. I love packing. I love getting in the van. I love getting on a plane. Uh, the plane thing's starting to get tiring. But like I just love I and it, this is so shy because we've done pretty well for ourselves like pretty like with every time i die so like in the beginning as you know of any band there's no money and like you're eating whatever you know what i mean like like it you're you're sustainable what you're trying to put in your body is like not what you're normally supposed to put in your body like i remember eating like french i would eat like french bread like i would get a, a loaf of french bread and dip it in like like prego like like tomato sauce sauce, you know what i mean yeah and that would be like my you know and like now it's like i have a bank account so like i go and like touring i'm like okay well i'll eat at this place you know what i mean or i'll eat at this place and like there's times when i'm just like man i just don't maybe i won't bring my wallet on this and just on this trip and just like kind of just go with the flow and see how it goes you know what i mean like go back to that just because i love it man i miss like stealing gas and i love like i love that man it was such a hustle right and it's funny because you know people our age don't they hate warp tour because it's it's hard it's a hard tour i i thrive for it i'm like oh my god yeah you want me to get up and poster i'll poster yes yeah get up at six sure (laughs) i'm up i'm up good yeah I, i won't sleep tomorrow like like the night before Cause I want to be tired and drained and like, Oh yeah, I'll find something to eat that day. Don't worry about it. Oh, catering. Nah, I'm not going to wait in line. I'll just go find something. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, <laughs> so you, I, I love you thrive. You, you thrive off the, uh, the, the, the chaos that obviously that whole world, um, you know, kind of embodies itself, man. It is the best man. Like a lot of people like the whole, like, Oh man, like you probably get it. Like people don't understand when you're in a band, they just think you're a Motley. Crew. Of course. There's no, there's, They're there's, like, there's oh, no so in between. The, <laughs> it's a, you're either a garage band yeah, just, or you're yeah. Motley Crew. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, how are the chicks? You're like, I, I haven't talked to a woman in like two months. <laughs> I don't even know what they are. I don't know what they are. Like I, I see if it shows. I don't, I don't know. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just like, yeah, you know, I'll have a conversation with them, but like, it's usually talking about the band and that's that, or, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. and then, uh, you know, they're just like, Oh man, like, what are you guys, are you guys in a bus? Not at all. We're in a van, in a trailer. 
like, really? Like, yeah, it stinks in there. It's really bad, but I love it. <laughs> just, yeah, like, I, I, I love it. This podcast today is brought to you by Zevia. Now, you're probably like, what? what is Zevia? Tell me what this is. Well, that's what I'm here to do, so please don't interrupt. It is a soda, but it is so much more than just a soda because it has zero calories, no sugar, no artificial sweeteners, no caramel color. All Zevia sodas are clear in color. There's 15 flavors. Let me tell you, my personal favorite is black cherry, and I'll tell you more on that in a minute, but you can find Zevia anywhere at any grocery store, natural food store, or you can go to amazon.com because they will deliver it right to your doorstep. I distinctly remember a couple of years ago, my parents, I popped open their refrigerator when I went over to visit them, like the good son that I am, and I see this thing. It's like, what is what is this? And I was like, oh, it's Zevia. It's like, I, I, I've never liked any sort of diet-ish drink because it always has weird aftertastes and, you know, there's, I just haven't found anything that I've liked. I tried the black cherry flavor and I was like, yo, I'm on, I'm on board with, and they have so many flavors like Dr. Zevia, ginger root beer, strawberry, orange, cream soda. They have amazing stuff. From that point on, I was like, I'm going to drink this. I like it. It's so much better for me than all of the other stuff I was drinking previously. Go to zevia.com backslash podcast. And what you can do is they will give you a six pack of soda. Granted, it's a contest, so they pick at random, but go there and you will be able to potentially get a six pack. So they're giving away thousands of these things. So go to zevia.com backslash podcast. That's Z E V I A dot com backslash podcast and who knows you may win one of these six packs and you will be a fan for life like i am bottoms up that's all i gotta say so do you think of yourself as a geek gamer or pop culture nerd i 100 do and i'm sure you also do then loot crate is a subscription box for you so i mean you've seen this almost every single area in our lives can be put into a box in regards to the subscription based model but loot crate is a service that gives you $40 worth of geek, gamer, and pop culture gear, collectibles, apparel, comics, delivered directly to your mailbox each month. Please head to lootcrate.com backslash words and enter the code words to save $3 off any new subscription. So each month there's a different theme. Previous crates have included stuff from Star Wars, Marvel, The Walking Dead, Legend of Zelda, and many, many more. Basically, when you sign up to this thing, you know you're going to be getting the coolest stuff that's relevant. It's not going to be some cheesy nostalgic trip it will be awesome relevant things and this month they're going to bring you a fight for the ages they want to be a little vague so this is the copy that i'm reading but i promise you it's exciting suit up choose your allies and enter the arena for combat they're ready to stand their ground this month with exclusive items from blizzard you know the people that make world of warcraft no big deal right fallout 4 capcom you know capcom like street fighter 2 <laughs> and sponsor-worthy loot from The Hunger Games. I love the entire series of Hunger Games. Love those books. As well as a few more items that will help the winners emerge victorious. Whether you're risking your life in battle or taking no prisoners in the wasteland, Loot Crate will be at your side to help things be very, very interesting and ultimately fun. Basically, Loot Crate is like your best friend who will send you the coolest stuff on a month-to-month basis as a surprise. I don't think I mentioned this already, but they ship to over 13 different countries. So you have until the 19th at 9 p.m. to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when I say 9 p.m., I mean Pacific Standard Time because that's where they're based out of. So when that time is over, that's it. You're never going to get those items again. So go to lootcrate.com backslash words and enter the code words, W-O-R-D-S, to save $3 off your new subscription today. Please check it out. 
because they have sponsored the show for a long time. And that really, really is meaningful to me. And I promise you won't regret signing up for this thing. So check it out. Obviously, the more, not even so much the more successful, but the more the band becomes obviously a business and like a machine, the more, you know, responsibilities can be shaved off the band members because of, you know, you have people working for you, et cetera, et cetera. But then, you know, the people that obviously stay connected are the ones who are just like, no, man, I, like, I got to do this because like, what do you mean my guitar tech is going to restring my guitar or whatever? Like, no, I, I, I'll, yeah. I'll do that. It's fine. Yeah, that's exactly. We have a good, we have a good tech because obviously like when we're running around on stage, problems happen. And like, we have a guy that watches out over us, but every single day it's like, Hey man, I'll change my strings if you want. And then like, he's got to like bat us off. Like guys, chill out, like go do something. You pay me to do this. Right. And like, Oh, okay. Right. Well, and like, that's, I, th- I think at this point in time, it's like too like, I understand Keith and Keith understands me and Jordan understands Keith. And like, we all, Wait, and when we know someone's getting annoyed by one another, we all have our ways to get away from each other. And it's like, it's, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, I know that like, I need to go to the gym four days a week. I have to go to the gym four days a week because that's like me meditating. I put my headphones on and I just, I'm gone. You know what I mean? Like I'm away from everybody. I'm away from guitars. I'm away from music. It's a whole different environment that like, I have to concentrate on. And then I go back to it. And I'm like, Oh, this feels great. You know what I mean? Like tension was a little high and I was about to freak out, but I got that in and I'm okay now. You know what I mean? And like Keith has his way of like writing and Jordan has his art and like, you know, Mitch uh, loves like watching sports. I really don't know what Mitch does, but he like, he like white likes watching sports and stuff like that. And it's just like, okay, just go away. And you just take your head out of it. And if you learn how to do that, Touring is great. Yeah, no, true. You, you definitely have to know your, your, not only yourself, but obviously, like you said, everybody that's, that's surrounded by you. And so we, like, obviously as every time I die, I started to, um, you know, become more successful and obviously become more, uh, of a commodity in regards to people knowing the band. Um, when did you yourself kind of like, I guess, look at it sort of as an outside observer being like, Oh my God, like this thing is real. Like, you know, this is like, we're really doing this. Um, you know, when, when did you have, a, it doesn't even need to be like one particular moment, but just kind of a, you know, maybe a record cycle or something where it was like, Oh wow. Like this is beyond anything beyond just obviously playing with, you know, cave in for one show or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe the, and I guess this is kind of far in, this is like the end of last night in town or maybe like the middle of last night in town. We did this tour with Azalea Dying. Uh, it was us, Azalea Dying, um, Black Dahlia Murder, and Scarlet. Every single, I remember like shows were sold out. And like not just, so this is like pre, I think it was pre Great White too. So like shows weren't just sold out. It was like they were sold out. Like they were like, you couldn't put more people in venues. And you just like, it's, insane and i don't even think like i'd love to talk to asley dying dudes about this because you just knew you were a part of something special like it was it was insane like it was like i remember like we played like dallas and like 900 people came to the show <laughs> and it was a place where like it held like 700 and they just put 900 people in this venue and like people were like falling off this balcony into the crowd but it was like so packed that like it didn't matter mm-hmm. Like, nobody was getting injured. And, and, like, the show was just crazy. Like, it was just every show was, like, 
insane. And then I think at the end of the fe- that thing, we played like Hellfest or something like that, or like Hellfest was in there. And I remember like walking up and there was a point in time when like, remember when like touring was scary? Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So like, I remember I had like, it was a different time. I guess I was a different person at the time, but I remember ha- I had like on tour, I had acquired a pair of brass knuckles and I had like a wad of cash in my pocket. And I remember we walked up on stage, Doug uh, Spangenberg from Space Monkey, uh, who at the time did like Radio Takeover. He did all the Hellfest DVDs. He goes, one of the most surreal moments is every time I die playing the 2003 Hellfest is Andy Williams walking up on stage, pulling out a pair of brass knuckles, putting it on his amp, pulling out a wad of cash, putting it on his amp, and then pulling a knife out and stabbing the top of his amp and then turning around and playing to like, 3000 people or something like that. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like that was it. And I remember like when Doug like put that into perspective, it was like, just insane. Like that was like, that tour was crazy. And I think that was like the time when I was like, Oh shit. Like we're like a real band. Like this is insane. Like we're making money and like the, the wheels are turning on its own. Like it's not, it's not us working as hard as we have to, to like make it happen. It's just happening. Right. And it's, it was insane. And it's like crazy. People are going to listen to this and be like, Oh, what a dickhead. But like, it was just one, it was just a different time. Like you didn't know if someone's going to rip you off or like, it was dangerous. Like that, you know, you'd play like a place and like, you didn't know who the venue, the promoter was. And like, you didn't know what the area was like, and you didn't know what it was. So it was like that sense of like, Oh man, I might get robbed tonight was still there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And nowadays, I mean, it's still there. You play some places, but like you've been there so many times. It's like, oh, don't go that way. You know what I mean? Totally, totally. So it's it's different. Yeah, no. Well, it's well, it's cool. I mean, I, I think when people do get very specific, like what you're talking about and th- that, you know, that tour and that specific show, it's it, it's special because you do. There are very few moments that you can reflect on where it's just like no matter how big or small the accomplishment is, like the human nature is to gloss over that thing once you've reached a certain level, you know, you're like, you appreciate it for four seconds and then you're on to the next thing. So it's like, did the more specific people are with that answer? Uh, it's like, I, I just, I think that, I mean, that's obviously goes directly into why you still feel passionately about the band and why you, uh, you know, yeah. are, are, are still committed to the idea of, you know, touring and working. Yeah. And the, the thing is like now with package tours and stuff like that, like that feeling of like, remember like, you'd show up to a show and you'd see the flyer when you walked in and be like, holy shit, Taken's playing the show tonight. And you'd be like, whoa, like, this is great. You know what I mean? Like, totally. you had no idea. Like, you're really just like, we're playing with Drowning Man tonight. This is sick. Right. That doesn't happen nowadays. It doesn't happen. You know, you know about the show, like, three months in advance. And, like, so those, like, special moments of, like, holy cow, we played with Cody West tonight. is like, not. Nah, it doesn't happen anymore. So, like, when the magic opens, moments happen. Like we, like a couple uh, months ago, we played at Valparaiso, Indiana. When we saw it on the list, we're like, "What the hell is this?" Right. So it's like right in between Indiana or Indianapolis and Chicago. Special moment. Like it was just one of those shows that like everything clicked, mm-hmm. and it was us and Marmosets, and it was like it was absolutely absurd. Like the show was like crazy from like the minute it started to the minute it ended, and then. There wasn't like 900 people there, but like every single person that was there was like fully uh, engulfed in like the show. Sure. 
And like when it ended, I remember people coming up and just being like, that was crazy. And you're like, yeah, that was like awesome. Right. Like that's <laughs> like the reason I do this was that right there. Like, totally. you know, and every one of us were just smiling ear to ear. Like, you know, and it was like that very rarely happens 18 years later. Yeah. Well, it's like, usually you do find it at those, you know, off the beaten path. It's like those, <laughs> those suburb tours that all of our bands did were so awesome because you were rolling up to these places that were just like, you know, they're not on anybody's radar or map, but the 200 kids yeah. in that scene are going to make that show amazing because they want more shows to come through there. And so, yeah, there's that level of investment in Valparaiso, Indiana to be like, dude, yeah. when's every time I die going to play at our town again, probably never. Let's make this a thing. I want to play there every show. <laughs> <laughs> That's so amazing. Yeah. Um, and obviously I think a lot of this is sort of forgotten in history or maybe it still does get brought up to you guys occasionally where it's like, obviously the, um, well, the party vibe clearly still exists with the band and obviously how you guys present yourselves. Uh, like no one would look at every time I die and be like, Oh, those guys aren't very fun. Um, but, uh, obviously there was a, another element of, you know, back in the day with the band where, you know, whatever your website should dudes.com. And like the, uh, yeah. the sort of the atmosphere that you guys were creating was kind of like, oh yeah, we're just degenerates. We happen to be playing hardcore music and, you know, you were, you're playing into a character, but you know, I'm sure there were certain elements of you guys being shitty dudes as well. <laughs> does that, uh, yeah. does that hang over or follow you guys at all? Or is that something that's just like, oh, that was just us being kind of dumb kids or whatever. No, I I think it was just our way of saying like, hey, like, don't look at us like Motley Crue. Like, we're not. We're just guys that we're guys just like you that we just play music. And like, we're going to be at the bar hanging out with you after. And if you see me, please come up to me and talk to me. Like, I want you to come up to me and talk to me. I want to talk. I want to know about your life. And that's like always been like, and I, I guess like some of the guys get a little like thrown off like that. I always, I'll watch bands. And I'm always, my thing is to just get off stage and go right in the crowd. Like as soon as I'm done off stage, I want to like talk to people and I want to hang out with people and I want to be that feeling of like that type of community. Like I'm so into, and it's like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I think it's always just like, just to stay in tune. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, uh, a lot of bands. And we, I think maybe that was a thing too. We toured with some bands at, at that point in time where like, they would say the dumb, like there'd be like 50 people outside waiting for them to talk to them. And then like, they would be like, oh, I can't go out there. I can't go out there. It's like, what do you mean? I can't go out there. Like, I just saw you talk about having diarrhea earlier. Like you're not a, this like God, like go out there and just talk to these people. You know, at one point in time, you were that guy, you know what I mean? Like someone in your life, you were like, Oh man, that guy's right there. You know what I mean? Like, this is so cool. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And you're now you're like denying that. Like, who are you to do that? Like, who are you to deny that kid that like you're nobody? You know what I mean? Like, it's just that it's so preposterous to me when someone can't take five minutes to just go up and be like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, how are you? Yeah. You know, that's like it blows my mind, man. And I sometimes I get it. Like, if you're like, I can't imagine like. Well, I can't even use Dave Grohl because he's so cool. So like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, if it becomes like a, a safety like that, issue where it's just like, there are people that are like, yeah. yeah, that, that you understand that. Right. It's different. But like, you know, like a kid wants you to sign something or something like that. Are you kidding? You can't, you can't, is your wrist broken? Like, did you, did something happen during the show where like your wrist broke? Oh no. Okay. Then get the fuck outside. Right. 
like quit crying. You know what I mean? Like if it wasn't for that kid, you wouldn't, you'd still be in North Tonawanda pretending to be a wrestler. <laughs> well, I, I think that's <laughs> because obviously a lot of people um, look at the ascension of independent music, um, you know, of, of all facets, but more particularly like punk and hardcore. Once bands started to be able to, you know, make a reasonable living in the early two thousands from it. Um, I, I, I still just cite that fact, exactly that, that mentality that you're talking about where it's like, yeah, these bands may be successful, but it doesn't mean that they are any different as human beings where it's like, you know, you're a prime example of a person who's just like, well, yeah, it's like, whatever I, I'm having to say hi to more people, but like, that doesn't fucking matter. Like I'll still do that. You know, um, that, yeah. that is the difference between independent music. And then obviously people who want to shield themselves and become, you know, uh, larger than themselves and, you know, stroke their ego or whatever gratification they get out of it. It's like, that's the difference yeah. there. And the thing that my biggest thing is like, you have to remember that the stones, like the Rolling Stones and ACDC, that's an, anom an anomaly. That doesn't happen. Bands don't exist that long anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, totally. there's never going to be a Metallica again. There's never going to be a U2. It's just never going to happen. Like, it's just not like music just isn't like that anymore. Yep. And like, for you to think that your band, who probably has a shelf life of like seven, eight years, uh, is going to, you know, at, at some point in time, you're going to be back at that point. You know what I mean? You're going to be back working. Money doesn't last forever. And like, you might have it now, but in like 10 years, you're not going to be like living off like ferret money or like <laughs> epitaph money. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So like, I guess like just stay humble. So like when the band does break up, you just remain, it doesn't crash on you and be like, Oh my God, nobody gives a shit anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's cause it's going to happen. And that's, that's, you gotta, have, that's right. You gotta it. have perspective on it. That's, that's a, sometimes it's a difficult thing to be afforded when you're young, but hopefully you'll have older people be able to tell you like, Hey, chill out. Like you don't need seven buses on this tour, dude. Of course, man. And that's the thing. Like it, 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 that's the thing that blows my mind, man. Like how bands, like we do it so simple, but there's bands that are the same size as us that do it. They overextend themselves so much. And then when you like at the end of a tour, you know, you got paid the same amount they did. And you see those guys complaining about like, man, I don't know how I'm going to make this payment or something. And they're just like, well, I know how, like get rid of that guy and that guy and that guy, you have four guys doing the same job and you're paying them, you know, and then they, they like, Oh, but you know, they're my friend. And it's like, I get that, but you have a kid. Right. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> totally, like, totally. Wh where does that, you know, like you should step up and say like, Hey, let's chill out, man. Like we should chill out on that. And like now, you know, I'm now in that position of like, you know, Jordan has a kid and, and Keith has a kid on a way. So like, I'm willing to like scale back on something because I know that they have children. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and I'm not, I don't have a kid, but like they're by, I essentially at this point in time, they're my brothers. So like I have to look out for them too. You know what I mean? Totally. And uh, a lot of people don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's just so crazy. When, like the bus is like such a big decision. Right. And it really isn't because like the money's there, but like, it's still a big decision like to us. Sure. Well, yeah. Like, holy shit. Like you're approaching it. You're approaching it from a much different standpoint. Like you're like, yeah. yeah, I'm willing to sacrifice whatever personal comfort I may have out of this thing, but realize that this is temporary. Whereas like, you know, the bottom line that I'm hopefully taking home will, like you said, be able to sustain me for longer 
<laughs> because yeah. I'm not wasting it. You gotta think like that, man. Like tour is just a section of your life. Things that like have to you have to live. Yeah. You have another person, you're married and you have a child. Like you know, you have you have two other people that, deal with that don't tour. Right. Like start thinking about that. And it is hard you can't have a conversation. You can't tell a grown up how to live their life. No. <laughs> so it's like it's hard to like go up to a band and be like, Hey guys, like you know, we've been doing this a while. You should Maybe next tour, like, scale back a little bit, and maybe then you'll make a little money, you know? Yeah. No, but uh, for sure. It's hard, you know? You can't say that stuff. No, it's hard. Um, there were two last things I want to hit on before I let you go. Um, All right. One of them was the uh, obviously you have a large involvement in, in Violet Gentlemen, and hockey is obviously a, a passion of yours. And like you've mentioned multiple times through the interview, in regards to you know wrestling, and obviously you uh, starting up uh, you know training and going through the motions in regards to that. Um, is it just one of those things where it's like now you obviously have the time to dedicate to these things or is it just a matter of like uh well no i i am being <laughs> prudent because i realize like you're t- all the things we were just talking about were the fact that the band is going to last for you know another 30 years or something like that a little bit a little bit uh i, I definitely had like there was two freakouts. i had a freak out about that where it was like okay now that children are involved we're not going to be touring as much mm-hmm. you know what i mean which that conversation has never come up but in your head, you have to think at some point in time, like, these dudes are going to want to be dads. And that makes sense completely. Uh, so it was like, and it's not even a financial thing. It's more of like an entertaining thing, like we said, like, well, I have to keep going. Do I really want to start a band again? Like, or restart a band? Like, yeah, music will be there and I can start a side project band anytime I want. Maybe I should try some sort of other entertainment. And then I was like, you went to, you went to pro wrestling school when you were 19. You blew your knee out. And then he started a band. You know what I mean? <laughs> that that worked out. Right. So so now it's like you're 37 years old. You may not be in the best shape of your life. Like you've lived in a van for the last 18 years. Things hurt. <laughs> uh, your knee still isn't fixed. But you have braces that make it feel like you're like 19 again. <laughs> so let's go back to school and then go there. And then realize that you perpetually have bang over all the time. <laughs> right. Like all of the time. <laughs> My neck hurts consistently sure, all the time. Sure. Uh, but it's not bad. I'm just like, oh, okay, whatever. Uh, and it was just, I think it's more like that entertainment bug where it's like, I'm entertaining. You still have to be creative in a whole other way. Uh, like, uh, you know, like I said, you have to shape things a different way. And then I realized, I started realizing, like, the more I know these guys, the more closer it is to what we do. And, like, you can tell, you can, like, talk to a guy. Like, if you ever interviewed, like, CM Punk mm-hmm. and you wanted to talk to him about touring, you'd start realizing that in the middle of the conversation, you'd go, am I talking to a band guy or am I talking to, like, a wrestler? Totally. Because they have the same, they've, they've been to the same places. They've probably been to the same venues. They eat at the same places. They tour the same ways. It's it's insane the the like how close both worlds are. Yeah, dude. This honestly, I, I've I've noticed the parallels between independent wrestling, obviously, like you're talking about band life, and then you know stand up comedians. Like all of those sort of tr- those transient lifestyles are, are like exactly the same. Exactly the same. Uh, it's so it's funny that you said stand up comedy too, because that's like 
I've talked to like comedians too, where you're just like, oh yeah, and they'll they'll mention a venue and be like, I played there like a hundred times. This is crazy. (laughs) Totally. Like that you know that place, right? And it's just yeah, it's crazy. They know the same people. Like it's almost like the promoters like promote all three things, and then you're like, wow, you know that guy. Right. He, like, I didn't know he was even in wrestling. And then the next time you go through, you're like, yo, you're into wrestling? And they're like, yeah. And then, like, there's a secret thing then. Like, you have, like, something else in common with this person that you've met a thousand times. And you've played shows for. They've cooked you food. And, like, I never knew you were a wrestling fan. Like, yeah. Sure. And then you're like, hey, did you see PWG Bola 2015? They're like, yeah. <laughs> and then you're just like, then you're talking about a match. And then you're like, hey, I see that you had Cole S here. Like, a week ago how was it oh it's great uh, and then they're talking about sean ingram and you know like it's the most wild thing man like it, that's why i love touring so much man like you could i can go anywhere in the world and i know people yep no you know? <laughs> it's it's so it's insane it's so funny like that 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 really registers in my head too. And mostly just because it's like my, my mother always laughs because she's like, anytime we go on vacation or do anything, like we just run across a person that you randomly know. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's weird because obviously people in the normal world don't experience that. Like, never, you know, where it's like you and I could be dropped off pretty much in every major city across the world and be like, Oh yeah, I could probably like, I can find this person. Like I could probably stay with them tonight. Yeah. And most people be like, it's, what the fuck? Yeah. That's a, That's like the wild thing. Like, and it's it, like when you know, someone knows you're in a band, but doesn't really know anything about the band and you're out and you see one of these friends and then they legally, Oh, Hey, what's up? Hey, uh, you know, you're hugging and then they like walk away. And then like the person you're with that kind of knows you're in a band is like, how did that happen? And you're just like, Oh, well, you know, like I've toured that guy like 10 times, blah, blah. Like you really know him. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't you call him? Well, I hung out with him last week. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just fine. Like, you were here last week. Yeah, I was here last week. Yeah. yeah. They're like, what? How does that? Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess yeah. that's not normal. Yeah. Um, the the last thing I want to hit on, which, Andy, I have a bone to pick with you. This is this is something. Oh, no. uh, it's okay. This is, I mean, I've, uh, w- the reason I bring this up, because I think it's more comical, the fact that this still lingers large in my memory. But it, this I'm was. I'm so scared. No, I probably, I, this is not an ambush. I, I, because I, okay. I knew, okay. Okay. <laughs> I knew I could do this with you and we could obviously talk through this in a similar fashion to, I, I had Brandon Chappetti from uh, Bleeding Through, who I know you know as well, uh, on the show yeah, a while yeah, ago. Because for whatever reason, there was some weird tension for, between Brandon and I for a couple of years. And so we were able to talk it through. Okay. But there, this is a one-sided tension. Uh, so okay. anyway, here, so here we were obviously, uh, actually, actually replacing bleeding through on that tour we did with you guys back in God, yeah. 2000 or something like that. We obviously, yeah. we, we got along. Everything was great. You, we played basically almost at the same time at Hellfest and like our, our slots, I think overlapped one another. I think we got like, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes by ourselves. And then you guys played. So it was one of those things where I was like, all right, like I'm going to talk to you guys and it'd be like, you know, just like, hopefully you guys can stick to the schedule because I know the moment that you guys start to play, no one's going to give a fuck about taking on the side stage. Yeah. And, uh, so uh, and, yeah, so I'm sweating. It's okay. okay. No, basically the uh so I, I i got up on stage and was like hey we're taken and then you guys start on the main <laughs> stage and i was like fuck you guys started i mean uh, 
like I said, there are many extenuating circumstances to where you, you know, you guys were excited or stage manager, whoever was doing that at the time was like, oh, you guys could go on now or whatever. So at that yeah. point, I was like, oh, I just watched like 300 people walk over to their main stage, which is fine. You know, it was a hometown show for you guys. So I get it. But I was like, oh, my little 19 year old heart was was a little bit shattered because I was like, oh, here we are 3000 miles from home. So anyways, I had to, I had to get that out there. I know whether or not it was intentional from you guys. I doubt you have any memory in relation to this I- story. I 100% know it wasn't intentional. I do know this. I, which one? Was it 2001? It might have been. I It's it's fuzzy, but I think 2001 was probably. It was, the, it was still. So you guys came from California with Bleeding Through. Well, and they had that weird that weird little corner stage. Yeah, but then that, that was the tour also in which Brandon. Well, we replaced because Jim Grimes, of course, was doing the tour. And yeah. so that was when Brandon yeah. Chipetti broke his jaw at a fight at a local yeah. eating establishment. So we. Yeah. We replaced them, but then bleeding through Brandon, whatever, magically fixed his jaw and then jumped on the tour. And then every every promoter was like, yo, who's this other band that's on the tour with you? Yeah. So anyways, but yes, we toured out there. So, yeah, we it it was the the main stage was one big stage and there was two stages like backing it up. And that's that's the stage that we were on. The only thing I remember about that is that was the day that I like dyed my hair black and had a pencil thin black mustache. (laughs) And I, for some reason, bought a Jackson Dinky guitar with like a locking tuner, like locking tuner on it. Okay. And and, this, and it just kept going out of tune. Like I couldn't get, and I sold it like the day I got home. <laughs> but uh, man, I don't remember any of that. No, that sucks so bad. I feel so bad. It's like I said, I this this isn't something I've you know whatever maybe uh 10 years ago i would have been like yeah i don't know about those every time i die guys but i i I haven't carried it with me to the point of where it was like affecting and and mostly because you i mean have always been very gracious to me but it was one of those things where i was just like those guys have waited 10 more goddamn minutes where we could have yeah 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 oh i remember that i remember that venue though do do you remember did you watch hate breed that weekend uh yeah, yeah 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 There was like wind. I remember like the wind from Circle Pit. <laughs> totally, dude. From that too. It was like a fan was on in there. <laughs> that from that one. I just like there is something that's so inherently special about all like whatever Crazy Fest, um, you know Furnace Fest, uh, Hell Fest, like all of those fests where it's like you really felt like when you were watching a band kind of come into their own and play that fest, whatever one of those you watched them at it was really like transcendent like where you're just like yeah holy shit like this band is huge or whatever it's like it was such a such a weird event to feel like like i definitely remember poison the well and like you know hellfest 1999 where it was like watching them it was like oh my god like this is a this is a real thing there are people losing their shit over this yeah it was huge yeah i remember that yeah and like that that was oh, we played. Where the hell did we play? We played with them in like, oh, man, this is gonna kill me. I think we played with them in like Erie, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and like they were. It was a, a situation where like, uh, like, hey, the guys in Poison the Well. It was like, like Carl was like, oh, the guys in um, Poison the Well want to meet you guys. Why don't you guys go down to? We'll put you on the guest list and like you go down and talk to them. Uh, and we like hung with those dudes for the first time. This is like. 2000 like like after december just come out and i just remember like people freaking out and then it just you like you're probably the same way as i like you've seen them probably a hundred thousand times and every single time you saw them like it got gnarlier and gnarlier and gnarlier and like that was like the first time was this band's gonna break through like this is like one of our like bands are gonna break through and they did like some stuff with deftones or something right yeah yeah for sure i think right yep yeah no totally and that was like that was wild man like to have like a 
it's like, hey, they're one of us. Yay. You know what I mean? Like to see them like do stuff. Yeah. Was rad. No, for sure. Um, I just, I remember Spitfire that day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I remember like moshing the Spitfire. And I was like the only person that cared. Like, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> moshing the Spitfire. I know. There's de- there's definitely I-, I wish there was a huge like, you know, uh, really intelligent journalist tackling these Hellfests and like just really doing a deep dive into each band that played and like the impact that they had on either that day or it was like because I-, I remember I think it was ninety nine the the hellfest where i remember brett detar the juliana theory played and he yeah. he wore a like a head you know like a britney spears headset mic and people yeah. were fucking crucifying him we're just like what is this horse shit like you don't belong here i i know you're in zale but you don't belong here was that the one where they had the switch venues y- yeah for sure that okay was- well, i got a funny story about that Please. do you remember did you did you watch the whole set the, their whole juliana theory set yeah, uh, I know. I, I definitely remember walking in, listening to like two or three songs and being like, okay, OK, cool. So that year was so out of control that like Keith was grabbing dudes and saying like, like, hey, will you help and be like a stage manager? And I got asked to be a stage manager. OK. And he's like, these bands only get this time. If they go over, they're done. Like, go out there and plug them. And there was two things, like two dickhead things I did that day that were like really bad. Juliana Theory was playing and I said, hey, guys. One more song. And they were like, okay, yeah, yeah, cool. So they go into one song. They did the old, like, we're playing another one. Just me and another guy went out there while they were playing and just unplugged their amps and walked off with them. <laughs> and so the other one, the other one was Good Clean Fun. Okay. And Good Clean Fun, I said, guys, man, one more song. Please just play one more song. And they said, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So they play one more song. And then, obviously, Minor Threat being one of my favorite bands, they go into filler. And I have to walk out there and I have to cut them off while they're playing a minor threat song. Oh, dude. But then, but then that weekend, like Starkweather played Mm -hmm. and I let Starkweather just play. (laughs) It was just like, I want to see Starkweather. So like, totally. They're playing. You guys, you guys got upgraded to a 50 minute set. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you just keep playing. Yeah. And it was, uh, what was that? And then turmoil obviously like headlined, uh, the one day. And I remember Jamie, like yelling at me like mm-hmm. i was like there and he was like yelling at me i was like well i'm gonna beat this dude up mm-hmm. and then like a couple years later like me and him talked about it and i was like do you remember being like an asshole to me at hellfest he's like no i don't remember any of it and i was like dude you were being a real dickhead to me like i was really bummed out <laughs> like, right and uh and then obviously it got talked about but it was like <laughs> i just remember being like one of my favorite bands ever i would say like top three probably turmoil and i was like i want to beat these dudes up right like, i hate these guys. i hope they never play buffalo again it was their last show ever but like whatever right and then and then i remember me and jamie like talking about it and like it was it was fine yeah and then J- jamie was probably like oh yeah yeah i was a terrible individual pretty much the entire time turmoil, <laughs> turmoil was existing yeah, yeah. So he's like the, he's he's the best he is absolutely and, yeah so like uh yeah it was just one of those things i hope none of those turmoil dudes hear this because like i love them they're still like one of my favorite bands. Oh, dude, um, for sure. No, no, qu- yeah. no questions asked. But yeah, you, you you get a person on a bad day, and that that's what happens, especially in a festival setting. Like that's oh it's, man, it's, especially that one. Oh, dude, it was. I mean, it's a, it's a wonder that bands were even able to play. <laughs> yeah, yo, you should. Jeff Hydra lives out there. I know he he lives. Yeah, because I, I I worked with uh, Turmoil when I was at Century Media, and like I helped yeah. kind of usher the, that discography and those three songs, and so I became uh, pretty friendly with those dudes. Uh, but yeah, Hydra lives out here. Uh, John Gula lives in Vegas. He's like, really? yeah, he's like some uh, 
gosh, I want to say, no, no, Hydro is like a pharmaceutical rep because a friend of mine yeah. used to work with him. But then, um, yeah, Gula does something with uh, breweries or something out of Vegas. I'm not 100% That's cool. sure. Cool. But um, yeah, well, this I, I love this because this obviously ended up in a place I wasn't anticipating. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> well, I really appreciate your time, dude. This has been super oh, fun for me, and I hope it, it was yeah, it wasn't a punching interview. Like uh, not you, at all, man. You're that was great. <laughs> so there was Andy, and yeah, I loved that conversation. I could tell that uh, if I didn't sort of turn off that internal clock I have in my head, where it's like, all right, it's been about an hour. We could have probably gone on for about three hours. But yeah, that's just the sort of person that he is. He's he's an easy hang, as I would like to say, in the best possible way. So thank you very much for Andy for coming on the show. And thank you to his manager, Biggie, who will be a future guest on the podcast coming up soon for hooking this up. Because uh, yeah, Biggie, uh, I've known the guy forever. And he just dropped me an email out of nowhere and said, yo, I really like what you're doing with the show. And it just it's heartening when you uh, hear that from people. So for those of you that email the show, uh, it comes to my inbox and I soak it in and I can't thank you enough for that. And I've been so negligent on emails and I apologize for that. But I promise shortly I will get back to you uh, for those of you that have asked questions, suggest guests, that sort of stuff. But feel free to email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. Visit the show's website, 100wordspodcast.com. Our producer, as always, is Tom Richfield. And check out his band, Hindsight, because they're like doing it. They're playing shows, releasing music videos. So yeah. Hindsights. Just Google Hindsights UK band. It'll pop up and you'll uh, you'll listen to the tunes. You'll be like, hey, this kind of sounds like Taking Back Sunday or maybe a little Jimmy World. So just do that for him and, and me. Until next week, please be safe, everybody. Be safe, everybody.